My name is Amy Lynn Durham, author of Create Magic at Work. And if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my good friend, Amber Furman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am really excited for this interview with Amy Durham today. We had so much fun talking. Amy is the author of Create Magic at Work and the founder of Create Magic at Work Membership Group. She uses her skills as a corporate mystic to bring spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence to energize and transform the workplace. She is a UC Berkeley certified executive coach and emotional intelligence practitioner who spent years in the corporate world successfully managing hundreds of employees for private and publicly traded companies. As an expert in building positive company cultures, Amy designed Create Magic at Work to bring a variety of services and strategies to aid in cultivating teamwork and harmony in order to improve profits and employee morale through executive coaching, facilitating the Create Magic at Work membership group, and transformative Create Magic at Work workshops and virtual group coaching. Amy and I had such an amazing time talking about this idea of creating magic at work and what that really means. And she has so much amazing insight to share with you guys. Really quickly, before we jump into this, this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Define Your Life Mastermind. If you or someone you know has ever said the words, I'll be happy when, I just need to keep Insert whatever you think is going to make you happy here, losing weight, working hard, building my career, and then I'll be happy. If you've ever felt like you've done everything you're supposed to do, yet life isn't turning out the way you expected. If it seems like something is missing despite others telling you how successful you are, then the Define Your Life Mastermind is for you. The most powerful question anybody ever asked me is, what does success mean to you? And as I've explored this topic on my podcast and with my coaching clients, it's become clear that most people don't ask and answer this question enough. The Define Your Life Mastermind is designed to help you get clear on what success means, what a well-rounded life looks like, and what your best life feels like. Once you know that, you can build a business that fits into the life that you want and surround yourself with people who give you the courage to step out of your comfort zone to live this vision. If this sounds like something that you or someone you know needs in their life, head over to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com for more information and to schedule a call to see if we're a good fit to work together. I'm super excited to connect with you and help you reach your goals. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Amy. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Amber. I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Um, So I'm so excited to get into this spiritual intelligence and bringing that to the corporate place because I think that that's so powerful. But I want to go back a little bit before we do that. One of my favorite things to ask people is kind of what you thought your life was going to look like when you were in like that 17, 18, 19 year age and you had life all figured out and you were just sure it was going to work out the way you wanted. Like, what did you think your life had in store for you? <laughs> so when I was 18 and graduated high school, I uh, enrolled into college as a pre-med. 
I went to uh, my biology class and they wanted us to dissect a fetal pig. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the day that I decided that just was not for me. And uh, from that day forward, I never went back and I switched my major to actually psychology. And it has really been interesting, uh, the path that that has taken me on. Because I think we really use that quite a bit in executive coaching and really as, as managers and leaders in the workplace too. Yeah, I 100% agree. So it's interesting because I hear a lot of people when it relates to the coaching field and you know the idea of finding that psychology part, the end of your career when you're moving into entrepreneurism. Um, and so it's interesting for me to find somebody that actually has a degree in that, that kind of then took that into practical use. Yeah. It was interesting to me too. It kind of happened organically. I was in sales as, as a part-time job through college and I just kept getting promoted into different leadership positions. And at the same time, I was earning my psychology degree and I just found it so useful in inter- using it, interacting with people in the workplace. And so I got my degree and I never went forward with being a psychologist and I moved forward into the corporate world as an executive. That's awesome. So let's talk for just a minute about that corporate world and having a mm-hmm. psychology degree. What were some of the biggest challenges that you found in kind of the corporate structure, knowing what you knew about psychology and leadership and how things should be done? Yeah. So I think as I got older and as I became more mature and had a more experience under my belt, if you will, um, the biggest piece that you and I have kind of discussed prior to this too, that was missing was just being able to be a full human being in the workplace and not being afraid to have meaningful connections because that might mean that you're not professional or you're not fully focused on the business or you're not taking it seriously. Uh, What I found was using some of these tools and adding spiritual intelligence into the mix really brought people together it made them see each other as human and they dealt with their teammates with more empathy and respect than they would have prior to. So it really raised productivity and profitability as an end result. (laughs) So it's kind of a win-win. Yeah. And that's so, that's so important to comment on that it raised um, productivity and profitability because I feel like so many people think that if they take the time to bring this idea of um, employee morale and this spiritual intelligence and all of this into the workplace that you're actually taking away from productivity, but it's completely opposite. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's ingrained in a lot of us and it's been passed down. It's almost like a generational trauma um, that has been passed down that you have to suffer to be successful or you have to burn out or, or work all night, um, run the numbers, analyze the data all the time. If it's not on an Excel spreadsheet, it doesn't mean anything. All of those things are taking the human out of the workplace. So what happens is even though you actually can measure productivity through these activities, it doesn't look as tangible or people are uncomfortable with it because it's not black and white, like a math one plus one equals two kind of look. And especially if you're an executive that has been in, in the other type of 
environment for years, it is getting out of your comfort zone and being vulnerable and being courageous in stepping forward as a leader to do some of those things. Yeah, that's um, really a good point. The vulnerability and the courageousness that it takes because you know, you're really opening yourself up to the people that are around you. And sometimes it feels like that wall between leader and follower is coming down and that scares a lot of people. At the same time, that's how amazing teams are built and these great businesses um, thrive is by allowing everybody that is involved in the organizational structure to take as much pride in it as maybe the leaders or the corporate um, executives do. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a comfortability thing, right? I'm comfortable analyzing data. I'm comfortable talking about uh, numbers and statistics, but I'm not comfortable. Maybe, I mean, let's just pick something for me. Sounds super easy now because I've been doing this for a while, but let's say we have an executive that hasn't really shown a lot of vulnerability, maybe they're not comfortable stepping forward in a meeting exercise, sharing what they're grateful for that week with their crew or their team. Um, But once you show that human side and you let everybody share with each other, you get so much return compared to just discussing data, (laughs) right? Makes sense for sure. So when you entered the corporate world, this, this, um, field that you've kind of carved out for yourself is, is very niche. Like, were you doing that from the very beginning or what were you doing in the corporate world? No, I was not doing this from the very beginning. I was showing up just like the other leaders I described earlier. (laughs) And I was, you know, analyzing the data and driving and I was fiercely competitive, uh, to a detriment. Sometimes it was get out of my way. I'm going to win at every cost. You're either on my team or you're in your way kind of thing. And at some point your spirit just gets stifled in that type of arena. What I noticed was as I became a leader and kept getting promoted and promoted, I felt lonelier and lonelier the higher I got. And there's a lot of, if we want to talk about data, there's a lot of data that supports that. Leaders at the highest levels tend to be some of the loneliest. And so what I did was I had this spiritual awakening in my personal life. And I really wanted to make a change and I wanted to make sure that I was creating ripple effects in the world that would have a lasting impact on my employees, on their families and their friends. When they went home from work, they would treat their family in a positive way because they had a positive day, whatever that that meant in that day, right? So for me, it was sort of a sort of a wake-up call in how I was living my life and what I wanted it to look like and what kind of impact I wanted to leave on the world. If that answers your question. <laughs> it does. And it answers it beautifully because I find that there's always that thing that happens that, that makes you change the way that, that you're showing up. And that can either be something that happens to you or something that you see and notice somewhere else. And I think it gives you so much credibility when you're dealing with these corporate executives that would normally be able to say, you have no idea what we do on a regular basis. Now you can say, no, I absolutely know what you do because I've been there and I've been just like you and I've made it to the other side and it's so much better here. Absolutely. 
because I think I started doing all of these activities that I put in my book because like I said, I was lonely and I was hungry for connection. And I was also wanting to not only win, I guess if you want to call it win in the workplace, as far as being number one or be profitable, but I wanted to prove that you can connect individuals together in a positive way. You don't have to pit them against each other in an aggressive competitive environment that's unhealthy. And part of me was that, I guess this is kind of interesting because it was that competitive spirit that I wanted to prove that collaboration and bringing people together over cutthroat competition actually works better and gives you more revenue returns. So I was dead set on proving that. And that's sort of how I left my corporate job. I planned it for a year. I really thought through how I wanted my people to feel, my employees to feel, my team, what kind of legacy I wanted to leave. And um, I, I, I spent a year fulfilling that plan. And I wanted to ensure that I left at least number one or close to number one, because I, again, I wanted to prove that collaboration works over competition and, and the human connection works over everything collaboration works over competition. That's such a powerful statement. And it's so true. We talked a little bit about the fact that it seems to be kind of the way that we were raised and it seems to be the, the social norms that you're trying to, to kind of um, change and shift a little bit, but what specifically is it about corporate ladders that you think creates this, need for separation and need for like having your walls up and lack of vulnerability? I definitely think there's this feeling that a leader gets that they have to know all the answers and they're afraid to admit that they don't have all the answers at times. One of the most powerful things I've done as a leader is say, hey, I don't know how to solve this problem. Can we get everyone together and collaborate on it? Everyone, everyone bring at least one or two ideas. I've seen a lot of ego where there's fear to be vulnerable or admit that you don't have all the answers. So I think that's the biggest thing right there. You get put into a leadership role and you feel this expectation that is, is on your shoulders that you have to deliver results, that you have to make your higher ups happy. And then in regards to your team, you don't want to show any what you think is perceived weakness when actually when you bring everyone together and you admit you don't have all the answers, your team steps up to the plate and works with you to solve all the problems. And that, yeah, that's, I was going to say, and that's what I think is magic, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's some super powerful advice too, because I can totally relate to that. Like, especially, um, you know, my listeners know that I'm also an attorney and people come to you and they expect you to have all of the answers. And, you know, one of the greatest things that I can do with my clients is tell them like, Hey, there's no guarantees on how this is going to work out, but we're going to work together to do the best that we can to get the best possible outcome. And where you would think that people shy away from that, they actually really appreciate the honesty that comes along with that. And I can imagine that leading a corporate team is the same way. Absolutely. I mean, you just described it beautifully. And I think also I've seen in, 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 in some 
arenas will say, you know, people want answers, just like you were talking about, employees want answers. And if, if a leader doesn't have an answer, they'll just, for lack of a better word, ghost them, maybe not get back to them, just kind of leave them hanging. And I've seen some really great leaders, you know, exactly what you just said, call and have a discussion. Even if you don't have an answer for them, call and tell them, I don't have an answer for you because they feel acknowledged, they feel heard, they feel seen, and they'll stick around just, they'll stick around longer rather than being ignored. Yeah, 100%. I can totally agree with that. Um, So you have, you mentioned your book previously, and I want to dig into (laughs) that for a minute because I love the title, Create Magic at Work. What was the um, inspiration behind, you know, kind of the direction you took this book? So Create Magic at Work is a little book filled with magic. (laughs) It has all all of these field tested activities inside it that I used in the workplace for team build activities uh, to bring diverse personalities together and uh, help them work together in harmony. And so a lot of it has some spiritual intelligence weaved through it. I know for years we've talked about emotional intelligence and EQ kind of in the corporate space. And the way that I like to explain it is there's IQ, which is what I think. There's EQ, emotional intelligence, which is what I feel. And then there's SQ, spiritual intelligence, which is sort of like what I am. When you bring people together to do these spiritual intelligence type rituals, um, it gives them a chance to be vulnerable, be seen, be heard, be recognized by their peers as, as a human. And, um, It's amazing what a team will do for each other when they finally acknowledge each other as people that are going through the same struggles that you do in life. Yeah. So, um, I love the way that you described emotional and spiritual intelligence. Um, I think that I've never heard it actually described that way and it's super powerful. Um, And you're right. Like when teams feel like they actually have a connection, then they're willing to do so much more for each other that benefits the company. But it's also goes the other way too, where, you know, I feel like there are so many companies out there that are trying so hard to create the perfect benefit package. And they're trying so hard to give the perfect perks, like come and work with us and you'll get, and they have all these shiny objects in front of people. And in all reality, like doing something like this and creating this like safe space for people to connect can be so much more powerful than any shiny object that you can hang in front of them. Mm. That was absolutely, that was very powerful. Psychological safety. It's okay if you fail as long as you're continuing to grow and get better. So creating a a space, a workplace where you have psychological safety to take a chance and you're going to be okay if you failed. That's a huge one for the workplace now. And that is going to create such a buzz about your company where people will want to work uh, for you 
much more so over the free snack shack or whatever you have going on, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so I haven't um, completely taken all of these into my business yet, but just as a as an example, like even pre-COVID, I've always had this like super flexible schedule with my business. The um, and I'm I'm talking about my my law firm and my assistant came from this really rigid, like, I don't really care whether you have work to do. You're going to be in the office sitting at your desk from eight o'clock in the morning until five o'clock. And um, when you leave, like it, it, very rigid. And for me, like when I was first starting out, I couldn't hang the shiny objects in front of people. And what I could give them was a flexible schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I ran my office like, you need to go take care of your kids, go take care of your kids. You need to go have a self-care day. Like you just can't people today. I'm okay with that. Just make sure the needs of the office are met. And, um, you know, let's, let's work together to make sure that, you know, the business continues to grow while we both still have a life. And, um, I got a lot of, of flack from that when I first started, because it's not the way that most businesses are run. And it takes a very special type of person to work for me because you have to be a self-starter. You have to be somebody that, um, really can take that type of freedom and not abuse it. But when you find the right person, like I have now, it creates this beautiful um, kind of collaborative, we're both in it for the same goal. And yet she doesn't have to give up her life to work for me. And I can imagine that that outcome is very similar to what you produce in a large corporate environment. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up with, with COVID and, and sort of the flexible work schedule and things like that. To me, as a corporate mystic, what you're describing is really a lot of divine feminine qualities in the workplace. You're offering a flexible schedule. You're not offering this rigid, um, these rigid parameters that someone has to fit into, right? So I would imagine, and I've, I've already seen the data on it, but if you are a woman in the workplace and you have children, that would be a dream scenario for you. You have a project that needs to be finished. As long as you get your work done, you're, you're not holding someone to this rigid nine to five, you know, get the project done. They knock it out of the park. Who cares when they did it? They were able to pick up their kids or handle their kids, um, setting them up on Zoom for COVID, whatever it is, right? So that is very forward thinking. And I really believe that that's kind of where we're going this year with, with what's happening on the planet there's a lot of systems being shaken up because the old way just isn't working. Our hand, some people's hands are being forced to accept (laughs) (laughs) the new flexible way. And it's much more beautiful because people are choosing what they want and who they want to work for. And I think you get much, much better results with the flexibility piece. And you know what else that adds to you're telling your peop- your assistant or whoever you're referring to there, you're telling them that you trust them. Yeah. And when people feel trusted, they rise to the occasion. When people feel monitored, recorded every day, assessed, et cetera, et cetera, it does not help people grow into the full authentic being that they can be. So you're actually crushing productivity by doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I mean, 
you know, it's, it's worked out so well for my business and it, it may not be for everybody, but I certainly think that it's the way to go. Um, and I'm glad that you brought up COVID because I've said many times that the, the beautiful thing that's going to come out of COVID is that people have been forced to slow down their life. Like people have been on this treadmill of just like go to work and come home and sleep and eat and go back to work. And at some point in time, they quit living and then they can't go to work because COVID says no bueno. So um, all of a sudden they're realizing what it's like to stay home. They're looking at side hustles. How can I make some money? Because I'm realizing now that working for somebody isn't guaranteed. And I'm finding that it's causing people to really reevaluate the direction that their lives and their careers going. Cause they're kind of coming out of the fog of this paycheck is always going to be here. I don't have any other options. This is just what my life is. And I feel the same way with what you just mentioned about working from home and virtual working and being more flexible, people are realizing how nice it is to stay home with their kids or to maybe do work from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. when everybody's asleep and instead spend dinner with your family. And they're not going to be very easy to give that up. So many thoughts on that, just with what you just said. And I think if I could sum that up, I mean, I have a ton of things to share on that, but if I could sum that up, I think it's causing people to, like you said, reevaluate and then really think, am I, have I been chasing happiness or have I been following my joy? And what, how, what do I want my life to look like? And what does success look like to me personally? And what you and I discussed, I think in a different conversation, you know, what do I want people to say at my funeral or what do I want to be written in my eulogy? And I think it's just a, a time to really reflect on that because everyone was go, 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 got to get up, got to do this. It takes you out of the present moment or it, it takes you out of those alone times where you can reflect on how, how you really want your life to look like. And so I think the universe has said, no, you're going to need to sit down and think about how do you really want your life to look and how do you want to leave this planet for others? Yeah. Um, and I completely forgot that we had had the funeral mm-hmm. conversation. <laughs> that is such a powerful exercise for anybody who hasn't heard it before. Like taking the time to honestly think about what people would say about you if you were to die today and have a funeral, like that's humbling. It's, it's a real eye opener. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I, I mean, it sounds so morbid and people are like, this is an awful, ex- an awful exercise. And then you get to the other side of it and you're like, man, this isn't the life I want to live. So your book, um, obviously it is amazing for a corporate executive. It's amazing for anybody that's in a leadership position. What are the benefits to it for somebody who is an employee or somebody who's trying to make sure that they're providing the most amount of value that they can to their, to their current employer? Oh, it's the activities that are in it. You can do individually as well. There's a really cool activity that I think would be great for your audience. And it's, it's set up to where if you're considering kind of like what we were just talking about, leaving your job to pursue something more fulfilling. I have kind of a three-step process that you can work through where you accept where you are today. You wake up every morning and you ask, how can I help today? That's your first question is how can I help? 
so you don't feel stuck or trapped. And then you make a plan and then um, you make a plan to, to exit your job. So I think that's a really great one <laughs> for employees. And even if you're not gonna exit your job, it gives you a good um, basis for fulfilling personal goals. And you can circle back to them within um, the next six months, even if you love your job and um, still make sure that you have a well-rounded life and you're not just dedicating all of your time to your job. Yeah, I um, think that that's super important to mention because so many times um, when people talk about um, I'm not happy with something or something needs to change, it always comes down to work being that thing that people are unhappy with. But that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, there's something else missing that's going on and you actually love your job and you just need to make an adjustment somewhere. Um, And so I like that you mentioned that exercise and also brought in, you know, maybe you're not planning on leaving your job, but it's still a great exercise for you, which I think is super powerful. Yes. Because sometimes people say, well, I'm, I'm just going to make this up right now, hypothetically, but they'll say, I'm going to travel Europe when, you know, I'm done with this project or in three years from now, or, you know, I need to wait till it's always put off, put this off, put this off. I need to wait until the circumstances are much better. I'm going to start working out and getting healthy when this job isn't so crazy, you know, just throwing a couple examples out there. So what the dare, it's called dare to dream and the grass is greener right here. (laughs) Yeah. And so what, what the grass is greener right here does, it helps you achieve your personal goals in real time rather than constantly putting them off. It's, it's a fun exercise. That's awesome. So you have your book, where can people find it if they want to pick up a copy? That is easy. If you want to be a magic maker, you can go to create magic at work.net and all the information is on the website. Perfect. And then you've also created this really cool community of people that are kind of going down this path of learning how to be better leaders and open up the um, kind of the safe space of vulnerability in the workplace. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah. So create the create magic at work membership club is kind of a new, um, I think it's new to the workplace. You can sign up for an annual subscription and basically once a month you get cool tools, you have access to, to swag and products that are coming out and things like that. And each month you do an activity, some examples, and the activities have a thread of spiritual intelligence with them. And you can take the activity and you can do them with um, coaches or employees or your coworkers to bring meaningful connection to the workplace. So we do law of attraction stuff. You can do that with goal setting. We do word reshaping, word destroying exercises. Uh, We do connecting activities because we want to make sure that people aren't feeling lonely in the workplace. So in June, we did a make time for tea where you were connected with someone and you networked with them and you didn't know them and you asked them meaningful questions like, what are you most afraid of? Uh, and different things like that, just to help you grow uh, with your spiritual intelligence. I love that. And where can people find information on that? Create magic at work.net. <laughs> oh, it's all in the same yeah. spot. Imagine that. <laughs> it's like you planned that or something. Oh my goodness. I mean, as an entrepreneur, it has been a really long road and it does not look <laughs> as neat and pinned up as you might think. But yes, you can go to, you can now go to createmagicatwork.net and you should be able to find all of the resources that you need. (laughs) 
Love it. I want to um, switch gears just a little bit. Now we've kind of been talking about this throughout um, our prior conversation because your work and, and your mission and what you're doing right now just kind of encompasses so much of what I love. But I always like to ask every single one of my guests, what does success mean to you individually? How do you define it? So for me right now, it means a well-rounded life because I like to call myself a recovering corporate workaholic and a recovering perfectionist. And those two things, if you want to get over, try becoming an entrepreneur and starting your own business. (laughs) Ain't that That the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Or a perfectionist for sure. So, um, yes, just, just success means to me a well-rounded life. And it also, what it really means to me right now is that if I slip up or if I make a mistake or if I fall back into my old ways, which I'm going to be vulnerable right now and share that happens. I get into this workaholic zone where I'm wanting to build my business and I'm passionate about it. And I basically was told to take a seat in July and I, I got COVID. I was working hard and my book was being released in July. And I, and when, when I had COVID, I was like, man, why did this happen to me? I, I have all these great things going. I felt like I was spiritually aligned. I'm giving back. How did me, I'm supposed to be the corporate mystic, you know, get COVID. And I don't even care about the deep meaning behind it. I'm done with this. And, you know, I was, I was going through the whole thing while I was sick. And now reflecting on it, I was falling back into some old patterns that I shouldn't have been in, which was overworking, neglecting my friends and family, um, not being there for my, my boyfriend, my significant other. And I basically was told to take a seat. And I think the biggest part about from the universe is what I mean, right? I got sick and I had to reevaluate because I was falling back into my old patterns. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay if we make mistakes as long as we, we repair and recover. And that's been the biggest learning lesson for me with success is not to be so afraid that I'll shatter or that I'll fail, but that if I do make a mistake or have a setback, that I'll, I'll still be okay and I'll be able to repair and recover. And that for me this year has been probably one of my biggest life lessons is that I won't shatter. I'll just repair and I'll just recover. Yeah. That's really, really important for people to understand. And I love that you talked about kind of falling back into your own ways because it's not this thing where you just change. And then all of a sudden those old habits are gone. Like they, you fall back into them every now and then. And the most important part is being able to recognize that you're falling back into them and maybe stop yourself before you go quite as far Mm -hmm. down the perfectionist path than you have before. And each time it gets easier and easier to see the signs that, oh, I'm going down this road. And I want to highlight that this is also the reason that having somebody in your corner to be able to help you is so important because many times they can see the signs before Mm -hmm. you can, and they can kind of pull you pull you aside and say, Hey, like we know where this road goes and it's not any place that you want to be. Recognize repair and recover and have someone on your team 
that can name it if you have a blind spot. I mean, I have not built Create Magic at Work on my own by any means. Yes, it's me as the founder and I'm the only one running, running it right now, but I have a mentor coach. I have supportive friends. I have the membership group that support me. I'm not the leader of the group. I'm just the facilitator, right? We all support each other. So you have to stay connected and out of isolation. That is one of the biggest things. I think um, Harvard Business Review had an article about loneliness and they said it's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day as far as um, health costs go. That's a, that was a huge eye-opener for me. I like to share that, that research a lot. And, I, and to your point, I think one of the biggest things is stay out of isolation and stay connected. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard right now, but that, this is where the power of being able to connect and jump on a Zoom call with people, being able to pick up the phone and call somebody that you haven't talked to for a while you know, just because our days as we know them kind of got thrown into a blender and spit out, um, doesn't mean that we have to completely isolate because we're not, um, supposed to be isolated beings. Like we are pack animals for sure. And, um, it's, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, you know, we talk so much about the fact that the spiritual and emotional and mental effects of COVID are going to um, last much longer than the medical and um, financial hardship that it's causing. Yeah, absolutely. I think too that if you tend to be a little bit avoidant like me, kind of like an avoidant attachment, <laughs> get, get the, we'll get the neuroscience in for a second, that your ego will sometimes not want to reach out to connect. But those are the moments that you recognize, hey, I'm kind of being avoidant and I'm shutting down. This could mean that I'm feeling lonely and I need to get out of isolation. That is probably one of the biggest ways you can regulate your nervous system and grow for yourself as well as with with whatever group you reach out to and i think just showing up is is 99% of the battle yeah yeah i 100% agree and i want to bring this back to the corporate sector for just a minute because i feel like this conversation is so importantly powerful um talking about having people in your corner, talking about having somebody to have your back, whether it's business related or personal related. Um, when you create the type of environment that you are um, attempting to create in corporate, in corporate ladders and corporate structures, your employees become that check for you. You know, when they feel like they have a safe place to come to you and say, hey, I have an idea that might improve this, or maybe this isn't working, or even, hey, you seem a little, you seem a little down, is everything okay? Like so much, so many times employees don't feel like they can have that conversation, should have that conversation, or that it's welcomed. And it just creates help all around when you bring that vulnerability in. Yeah. And so then to me, with everything that you're saying right now, so it's how would a leader do that maybe during the time of COVID where everyone's patching in on Zoom or something like that. And I've seen some really uh, cool techniques, but one in particular I thought was great was a leader just kind of opened up a Zoom bridge all day. 
while he was working and anyone could patch in at any time and talk to him. It's just like, I'm here, my door's open, right? Um, another great way to connect is always try to do some sort of connecting activity in any sort of Zoom meeting. No matter what you're talking about, there should always be time set aside to acknowledge everyone and do something that connects them as humans. Even if it's something as simple, I always like to start off with something as simple as um, sharing with everybody what you're grateful for that day before you roll into the agenda. Something to where you can connect and obviously create magic at work has a ton of ideas for that, but I just wanted to mention I that. love it. Yes. I, and, and I'm so glad that you did too, because I feel like so many times, whether it's in person or virtual meetings, you walk in and it's like straight to business and, um, it kind of just sucks the energy out of the room. So that's, um, that's amazing. And your book, um, create magic at work again, um, is available and at create magic at work. Yes. You can find it, um, on Amazon as well. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I would love to do a quick random round with you. So yeah, that'd be great. Okay with it. Okay. Perfect. Um, if you could do any profession other than what you're currently doing, what would you like? To I attempt? would be running a nonprofit for senior dogs. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. So I just had to put my dog down in mm-hmm. June and you are like totally, um, speaking to my yep, heart. Right I now. know, I know the pain and the suffering. I had a dog with a congestive heart failure that I cared for in her later years and it was heartbreaking. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I, I love that mission. Um, let's talk about time travel for a minute. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? I would go straight to ancient Egypt because I think they have a lot of knowledge and secrets that were lost that I would love to regain. Love it. Um, books. Do you read, listen to audiobooks? What's your favorite way to consume? I content? read books in bubble baths <laughs> and my favorite yes. books are, um, to check out and feel rejuvenated are poetry. I love Mary Oliver oh. and I love Rupi Kaur. My two favorites. Love yeah. it. Do you have an entrepreneurial or business book other than the fantastic Create Magic at Work (laughs) that you would recommend to people that would move their journey along? My absolute favorite that touched me beyond when I left the corporate world was Lean uh, Out, Lean Out (laughs) by Marissa Orr. And she just turns, she goes, she talks about flexibility in the workplace, just like you and I were talking about before and how meaningful that is. And, um, yeah, she turns lean in, uh, on its nose with lean out. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Yeah. And then last, but definitely not least, I am a music nerd. So Mm -hmm. I have to ask every single one of my guests, what is your pump up song? What is that song that you hear and you just can't have a bad day? Okay. So it has to be fight song by Rachel Platten because I love, I know it might sound cheesy, but I just love that song. And I love when she says, I might only have one match, but I can make an explosion. Yes. Yeah. It's so powerful so much. Um, well, again, Amy, I really appreciate you coming on with me. This was a fantastic conversation and I just am so impressed with everything that you're doing. And I think that it is 
more than needed in the world. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amber. I'm so grateful to have had this meaningful conversation with you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.